Screen Talk is brought to you by Cartel Land from A&E Indie Films and The Orchard. Filmed with unprecedented access, Cartel Land is a riveting on-the-ground look at the journeys of two modern-day vigilante groups and their shared enemy, the murderous Mexican drug cartels. Cartel Land is a documentary for your Emmy consideration. David Edelstein calls Cartel Land one of the most important documentaries of the year. Kenneth Turan of the LA Times says, astonishing. The key to success in verite documentaries is access, 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 which is what Cartel Land has in compelling amounts. Winner of IDA's Courage Under Fire Award in 2015, directing and special jury awards for cinematography. Nominated for BAFTA, DGA, Critics' Choice, Gotham Awards, and Academy Awards for Best Documentary. Directed by Matthew Heineman, executive produced by Catherine Bigelow, Cartel Land. Okay, welcome to the second ed- Emmys edition of Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor-in-chief critic. I happen to be in the L.A. office, so I figured I'd sit in for this one with Ann Thompson and Michael Schneider. And even though Emmys isn't my space, it's been a lot of fun to kind of listen to what you guys see as sort of the pertinent conversations happening in this space because it seems to mirror a lot of the things that we've been talking about in the film world, particularly diversity, um, coming off of Oscars So White, and that conversation being in the air, it's sort of fascinating to see how different elements of award season deal with it in their own ways. And we saw with the Tonys this past weekend just how radically different it was from the Oscar conversation. All four Oscar, uh, award, you know, actor races were were people of color. Yeah, yeah. You mean the, all the the, 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 winners. T- the Tony winners? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's so funny sitting in my TV chair and I've I've had this superiority complex now for a while, uh, you know, looking at you film folks, uh, you know, the past couple of years when you look at the winners and nominees for the Emmys, but also for the SAG Awards. Uh, when when you look at the TV portion of the SAG Awards over the past 2 years, all the diversity on the SAG presentation has come from the television side. And and so combined Emmys uh, SAGs, WGA, basically almost every award out there, and, and TV just trumps film. It's not even a contest in, in who's doing just a better job of representing diversity and and uh, you know sort of you know multiculturalism these days. So. Well, the, just, just I'm not defending the Oscars, but, but their record is better in other years. This was the worst year, and the other thing is that there are fewer categories. Finally, if you look at the Globes or the Emmys or the, you know, there's just more categories. But isn't there also just an industrial pressure that's been taking place in the film industry that seems like it's just been more organic with TV? In other words, ratings and so forth seem to drive a lot of the decisions behind different kinds of shows that appeal to different kinds of demographics, and so you just have more diverse programming. And you have more risk-taking, especially on Broadway, than you could possibly have it, 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 or at least the executives in the Hollywood suites the Hollywood, the, the, feel risk-averse in right. a way that these other... So they, they end up catering to less diverse possibilities. But explain right. in television and in theater, you have tryouts. You have ways to prove that there's potential for something before you make the big investment. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and I should back up. And, and, you know, as much as I'm patting, you know, TV's, you know TV on the back uh, pretty strongly, you know, this took decades. This took years and years of pressure from, you know, some very big special interest groups, the NAACP, the National Hispanic Coalition. Uh, you Remember know, when the Jeffersons was a big deal. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, there was a period of time when it was just three networks where the networks in the 70s started to get more diverse and you started to see more African-American. 
American cast on, on TV, Good Times, The Jeffersons, etc. But when, uh, when, when cable came out and the, the, the audience started splintering, the broadcast networks to some degree went back into you know, sticking their heads back in the sand and you saw a lot of diverse casts and shows be sort of marginalized on smaller networks. Uh, you know, back in the day, you remember UPN and the WB in the 90s, where suddenly all the sitcoms and dramas with predominantly African-American casts ended up on those networks, and suddenly the, the big broadcast networks were getting wider and wider. And so in the late 90s, there were a lot of uh, uh, panels, coalitions, uh, you know, real pressure on the networks to, to get more diverse and start casting diverse again. And it took them a good 10 years for, for that effort to really come to fruition. And Shonda but, Rhimes was so successful that they couldn't ignore her. Right. Well, the, that and, and uh, you know, also the population started to change. And you have a younger generation coming up that is much more diverse uh, as well. And, so, and open-minded. And, and open-minded, but also a new generation of network executives who are also younger and more diverse. And so the culture sometimes changes. You know, the change is glacial. It's, it's slow. But, uh, you know, you started to see this real change in the mid-2000s on the network side, on the TV side. New generation of execs, new de generation of talent like Shonda Rhimes, and also the population changing where it's just good business now to target this, this you know, the millennials and, and 18 to 34-year-olds who are diverse and, and, you know, who don't want to just watch white people do their same thing week after week on TV. They want to see their own lives and their own culture reflected on, on the small screen as well. And, and by the way, Hollywood, as bad as they are, and they are bad, I, I grant you, they did make Straight Out of Compton, you know, they did make Furious 7. They, they recognize that these stats mean something. They are making money with diverse movies. They're just not the kinds of movies that the Oscars are ever going to pay attention to, unfortunately. Right, right. So it's always been two different issues. It's award shows versus how is the industry really doing. And, right. And, and I know on the film side, there are different pressures as well when it comes and, to you know, blockbuster movies and also international, which, you know, although international is very important in television, it's, it's a whole different ballgame in the film. And there are these awful sort of conventional rules about what's going to play overseas that, unfortunately, cut off a lot of these projects uh, early on. But this year could be different. This year we have Birth of a Nation, we have Loving, we have some other projects in the works there that are a handful make of it movies. more diverse in, in all likelihood. Yeah, it, it, it's possible. That are Oscar-type movies, but these, but these, dramas. Yeah, but, and these are, not, these are not big studio movies, though. I mean, these are, these are movies that are... Subsidiary. Yeah. Yeah, so, Searchlight and... Focus. Right. So, it is, but but I mean, and the other thing that's worth noting is that they're not big movies. I mean, Birth of the Nation was produced independently and picked up by Fox Searchlight. Loving is a, a, it's a pretty small movie. It's a two-hander. Some of the shows that we're talking about as Emmy contenders seem like they have a much bigger scope, right? I mean, these are not these are not films. These are not like films that are acquired for distribution. Which both of those are were. I mean, they, well, Empire is an enormous, successful massive, show, massive commercial <laughs> property, <laughs> and and, and uh, the, the success. And they spend more money in, in success. Yeah, too. and the success of Empire was was huge for the business, for Fox, and for diversity, obviously in prime time. But it also came in a year where How to Get Away with Murder on ABC did quite well, and Viola Davis, of course, we know won the Emmy last year. Uh, you had sitcoms like Fresh Off the Boat. Uh, do quite well for ABC, and, and ABC's done a great job with, with adding some diversity to their, their comedy mix, Blackish, with Anthony Anderson, who also was a nominee last year. Uh, another great example. 
Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, the, the, the efforts that the networks have put into practice over the past 10 years where, you know, they, they all, you know, brought on, uh, you know, executives who oversaw diversity and, you know, they're, they're you know, they, there had to be a systemic change in the business in order for some of this to happen. And luckily it happened and it took place and now we're seeing the fruits of all that labor. Absolutely. So we yeah. should dig into some of those possibilities. All right. Year. Well, let's do that. I mean, the other point I was going to make, though, is that, you know, on the risk-averse side of the equation, everybody's talking about Hamilton and the Tonys were up 15% over the year before and Hamilton was probably responsible for that. You could never imagine a Hollywood studio, even if they're eager to do it now, green lighting Hamilton. That would never happen. It's just it's just impossible to imagine them taking it's that just risk. It's such a weird concept in the Period, first Period, revolutionary war, history. Hip-hop. They, they barely hip-hop. made Lincoln. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Well, that's, you know, again, in success, though, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing for, for everyone because now maybe they will take a, a chance on, you know, the, the big James A. Garfield uh, musical that I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> Now's your time. One step at a time. All exactly. right. So actually, I'm looking at um, uh, our sister company, Gold Derby, has all the Emmy um, predictions up there. And I'm just looking at some of the candidates for drama. We, if, we, if we were to start in one category. And it's actually looking a little white to me right now, uh, it, Michael. Uh, yeah, you yeah know. I know. After all of this talk <laughs> of diversity. <laughs> now, uh, they're allowed to have how many? Six? They're allowed to have seven now. Seven. Um, so, so, and honestly, uh, and, and this may be a uh, you know, topic for future. They're only showing six for some reason on yeah. Gold Derby. Go ahead. Um, and I, we kind of discussed this on the last episode, uh, the, the fact that really there should be ten, but I guess we'll, uh, you know. We'll, we'll have to wait. Along. Maybe next year they'll have eight. But this year you do have seven in these major categories, and that's still not enough. But, you know, there's a lot of great shows. So, you know, for starters, Game of Thrones, which is the defending champ, uh, you know, is uh, you know, it's it's buzzy. It's still out there and has the benefit of being on the air right now as voters uh, start to make their picks. So that you know, obviously gives it a nice leg up. And as we know, once uh, Emmy voters pick a show, they tend to stick with that show for quite a while. As all the the trophies on the shelves of the uh, uh, Modern Family producers. Uh, uh, can attest to. Well, I'm betting that Game of Thrones is going to win this one. Um, I have it at number one. What do you think? I agree. I think, uh, you know, the, again, it's, it's, you know, it worked last year. And what's interesting is, you know, last year the voting changed for the first time. The entire uh, Emmy body was, was able to vote for everything. Uh, you know, in the past there were blue ribbon, ribbon panels, and so it was limited who actually made some, some, some of the final choices. Uh, but these days, everyone can vote all the time. So Game of Thrones, an obvious favorite, and obviously one of the biggest shows in TV. So it has that leg up. And doesn't it have a leg up also because the season that's currently unfolding, which just began, is right in the thick of Emmy voting. The Emmy voting just started on Monday, Even right? though that's not the season they're technically voting on, right? No, it is. It, it is, is, actually, it is. Okay. Yeah, so what's interesting about the Emmys is they have this uh, sort of hanging episode rule where as long as most of the episodes are within the uh, the, the time frame uh, I thought eligibility. the time frame was May 30th yeah but most of the episodes of this season of Game of Thrones was before May 30th so the rule is as long as the majority of episodes aired within the time frame then that entire season is counted as being eligible so since we've already had most of the season of Game of Thrones 
air okay. this, okay. this season. That's, that's and it's out. excellent. It's fantastic. Do voters fantastic. care about this, uh, the kind of backstory here with, with you know, this season not being the first one that's it's not really in tune with the books and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I don't think so. I, you know, I think they're in tune with that, but I, I don't know if that matters as much as basically how was the season? What did they think? And, and if anything, you know, did they pull off uh, you know, a, a tremendous season without the benefit of, of having the books? And if you look at the ratings, people, people are still watching. They, they still love it. It doesn't look like there's anything else on that scale, just production-wise. No, there isn't. About. Not really. Um, Homeland is my second pick. And I would say that that is um, a pretty big scale show, too. I mean, they travel. They go to different locations. They were in Berlin for last season. Um, it's, it's a, it, 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 it tied into terrorist reality in a way that was kind of spooky um, because of Paris going on. They were actually shooting when Paris happened. So yeah, right after that Berlin episode. And Homeland is a show that has really had a second life. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those shows that, uh, you know, Open Strong was a great series the first couple of years. And I think most critics agree that it sort of lost its way a little bit as it was trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? You know, we, post Damian Lewis. Yeah, exactly. Post, uh, post Brody. And once Brody was killed off, they, but they managed to reinvent the show. And now it's, it, it, again, has this second life. I think the problem... For, for Emmy consideration is that, you know, there are a lot of Emmy voters that probably gave up on the show. And once, once people give up on a show, it's really hard to bring them back. So because it sort of has a little bit of that, that, that feeling of it lost its way uh, for some voters, it might be tough to, to win some of them back or enough of them back for, for it to be you know, a serious contender for that top prize. But you never know. But then you have something like Better Call Saul, which is still kind of the shiny new kid on the block, having finished a, a very successful second season. I mean, it, it seemed like it, it just got better. And so. it follows up the extraordinary success of uh, Breaking Bad. So it's, it's, it's like a sequel in a weird way. Um, would you say that's true? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it, it has that sheen of, of Breaking Bad, but yet it's its own beast at this point, and it has its own story, and, and the fact that, you know, it's, uh, you know, for now at least, it's not even the Saul Goodman character. It's, uh, you know, right. it's, it's Jimmy. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's you know, created its own new world is, is fantastic, too. It's got a little more humor than Breaking Bad did. And it pulled over very successfully the same following and the same audience. Yeah. And people know that Vince Gilligan believes in payoff because of the way Breaking Bad ended, that there is a sense that this story is going somewhere. So I'm almost wondering, I mean, would you say that it's, it's like Better Call Saul is really revving up its engine still while Game of Thrones is starting to wind down because there's, two, there's just a few seasons left. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Game of Thrones has two seasons left after this, and, and Better Call Saul, you're, it's, it's a slow burn. You know, we still haven't seen, we still haven't met uh, Gus Fring. We have uh, you know, a lot of the characters from Breaking Bad who are probably going to show up, and we haven't seen the transformation into Saul Goodman. So there's a lot more to be had in that show. I think the the real... Also, a sort of impressive phenomenon about Better Call Saul is Bob Odenkirk and the fact that Bob Odenkirk was a comedic actor, a sketch comedy artist from Mr. Show in the 90s and the Ben Stiller Show, and, and known for his comedic abilities and his improv skills. And the fact that he has invented, reinvented himself as an amazing dramatic actor. But not just him, Michael McKeon, again, another sketch comedy artist from back in the day. Uh, from you know, Firesign Theater and all that, you know, reinventing himself as an amazing, brilliant, dramatic actor. 
one of the things I love that Vince Gilligan does is, is he's done this a lot, is he's taken com comedy actors, comedians, stand-ups, uh, you know, folks who you wouldn't necessarily think are, are even actors. Brian Cranston was considered in a different category he was, he before was the, this. He was the goofy dad from Malcolm yeah, in the exactly. Middle. Exactly. And, and reinventing these people and, and showing that, you know, some of our best dramatic actors are comedians. Uh, that's, you know, one of the great takeaways from this show and from Breaking Bad, too. But it's a drama. It is a drama. It is a drama. And then we have... House of Cards, which I just recently did my serious final binge on and with great, great pleasure. Um, and it's so timely. It is so perfect for what's going on in our election cycle. It is timely. I do feel at this point that House of Cards, it's, it's kind of grandfathered into this category, so yes, it will get a nomination. But I, you What know, do you mean by that specifically? Because it was the first Netflix show. It still was a phenomenon. With um, David Fincher behind it yeah. at the time. But yeah. it was, it was, you know, it, it reinvented the form. It's, you know, everyone still, when, when they talk about streaming, they talk about House of Cards, even though it's by far not the most watched show on Netflix these days. Uh, it's, it's just a How show How do you that, know what the numbers are? Well, we don't necessarily, although there are services out there that uh, claim to uh, be, be measuring that. And we actually wrote a story recently on IndieWire. Uh, there's a service called uh, Symphony that actually has put codes on cell phones and uh, says that they can track who's watching what on Netflix. Now, Netflix, of course, you know, says this, the data's bull bullshit, but we can swear on this, right? Yeah, um, see. So... <laughs> Uh, so Netflix says this this info is, is BS, but it's the the best info we have on who's watching what, and it kind of it, it kind of correlates with what we think's hot in the zeitgeist anyway. So as we noticed, Fuller House, the reboot of Full House, did quite well, but we kind of expected that because those damn millennials love that show. But it's not exactly in the Emmys conversation. No, it's so. not. But then Making a Murderer was another big one, some of the Marvel shows. But so we have a basic idea of what's doing well for Netflix. House of Cards, Once Upon a Time, was their biggest show, and then Orange is the New Black took over. Orange is the New Black is still huge, but I don't think as many people are watching House of Cards uh, be just because That's it's, your sense, huh? it's been on for quite a while. And like any show, you know, big in the first couple of years, and people start to drop off a little bit. I had the sense when the new season began that people went into binge mode. Oh, at I'm the sure beginning. a lot of people did. Still a great it's show, not, by the way. It's hard I, to I measure the cooler effect. I yeah. think they lose a lot when they don't have that Game of Thrones. We're going to all talk about the last episode. Right. You know, right. they lose it, that It's one impact. compartmentalized experience, and then you move on. But, but and, going, it's an individual experience. Yeah. It's not collective. It's done in the privacy of your iPad or whatever. But, but going back to just what I meant about sort of grandfathered in, I think both House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, because everyone knows what those shows are. Even people who don't watch it, they know, oh, House of Cards, that's the, that's the big Kevin Spacey show that put Netflix on the map. And Transparent would be in that category for Amazon. on the Amazon side. Uh, <coughs> but those are shows that are going to get nominated because even people who don't watch those shows know what they are, and they know their importance in the community, and they know they're good shows even if they don't watch them. So... You know, you don't bet against House of Cards, you don't bet against Orange is the New Black, don't bet against Transparent. Now, the other show that's probably surefire would be Downton Abbey, 
which I am going to defend. <laughs> I know I look like I'm the target PBS demo. Most of the time I resist period uh, fantasies like this, but this one is really well done. And I fell for those characters, and this last season, very, very Michelle Dockery focused, I thought Fellows really pulled it out. Well, does that last season element matter also, that it's sort of a, a send-off, so people want to celebrate the show as yeah. a whole as a result? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think in the case of Downton Abbey, that, that'll be enough to get it nominated. And also... Again, going back to that's a show that everyone knows, everyone's heard of, and voters have been very generous with Downton Abbey in the past. Um, it, it seems like one of its supporting characters always ends up winning an Emmy. In that case, I, I'm surprised by how generous they've yeah. been. Well, not so much the show as 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 the actors, who yeah. aren't all as great as that no, as all that. No, but you know, it's it's a, it's a show that it, you know it was a phenomenon, and everyone knows it. So it you know that that's why it keeps getting nominated year after year. So it will get nominated, but no chance that it wins because it was so long in the tooth, and, and not enough people watched that final season. So Orange Is the New Black is a drama now. It is a drama now, according to the TV Academy. So that you would put in the for sure category. I would put in the because I don't have it on mine. I wouldn't say for sure. Because I, I abandoned in, it, frankly. Yeah. I, I would put it in, and it's got a really good shot now. For sure, is I would say Game of Thrones, Homeland, Downton, House of Cards. Uh, those are probably my for sures. Uh, Better Call Saul. No, I wouldn't oh. say for sure. I would say likely. I would put Better Call Saul uh, and Orange Is the New Black kind of together as, as a likely, as likely on the cusp. Yeah. What about Mr. Robot and the Affair? See, I would put Mr. Robot as a likely as well because we don't know yet actually how you know it's it, never been nominated. It could end up being like The Americans, one of the best shows on TV that all the critics love, but for whatever reason, voters you know didn't didn't vote enough uh, to to get it on there. So, I mean, that's that's the one of anything I'm most curious about. So how. Are the Emmy voters going to react to Mr. Robot? And if they do nominate it, okay, why did they like Mr. Robot but not the Americans? I don't get it. That's Maybe the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards helped Mr. Robot. Well, Mr. Robot also is is more hip than the Americans. Americans is a period drama, very slow burn. I mean, it's beautifully textured. But Mr. Robot's every episode is viscerally engaging. It really gets under your skin. And do they judge which network it's on? Does that have any impact on it? Well, that's... Is FX less important to them? Or, no, or, I would say the opposite. FX is more important to them, but maybe FX shows cancel each other out because FX does have so many great contenders, whereas USA just has Mr. Robot. Which brings up uh, Showtime's show Billions, which we haven't even mentioned. Yeah, and Billions, that's another one that's you know on the... You know, on the fence on that one, just because... It's new. It's new. Uh, reviews were good, but it didn't quite hit the zeitgeist the way other shows did this year. It, it Evil close. Rich People was a big deal, you know, back in the recession days. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... It, it, what's interesting about that show is that I think it's very well written and well executed and well acted, especially... So that would be I would I would give the actors the strongest Oh yeah, yeah chances. And, yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think voters will say, Okay, that's how we'll reward billions. I don't think it makes it to the series category, but But it's too bad because I thought it got better as it went along. The first six episodes weren't as good as the last yeah, six. Well that's that's 
That's tough. When, when I mean, the reviews are... And they well, sent out six episodes, which is unusual because they knew. Yeah. Well, when, when you have voters who have a lot of TV to watch, they're not going to get to that back six if you're telling me the first six weren't that great. They were okay. For episode nine. <laughs> uh, but... It had a great side, payoff. That that cast is great. So you know, Paul Giamatti. I mean, come on, how you know? That's automatic. You just click that box. Uh, but Damian Lewis, obviously, also. Too. So, and I think that's where voters are going to be like, okay, we're 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 recognizing billions, but not quite. But as the women were shows. good too. What about them? What about Maggie Siff? Perhaps. I mean, she's not as big a household name, so maybe. not as easy. Yeah. Interesting. And the affair. I love The Affair. Me too. It's a great show. But I think that's another sm- you know, smaller show that, you know, right with the Americans. You know, we love it. Critics love it. I don't know if there's enough of a big base out there, you know, with, with voters. That, so it's that, actors again. Yeah, again. So, Interesting. And that, and even that, you know, I, I, would, I would say more Tierney has a really good shot. She's um, fantastic. She's, she's, she's the best thing in the show. Really great. So. All right. I have a question about Unreal. Was that show just too under the radar to be a part of this conversation? I mean, obviously now it's gaining a lot of traction with this new season, but it was one Some of the best shows I saw. people are picking it. Not a lot, though. I'm, I'm, I'm on our sister site, Gold Derby, as well, and I don't see a lot of people putting Unreal on there. I mean, that to me um, is a, it's a strong female-driven show that also it's it's getting into the DNA of TV culture in a really fascinating way, which, I mean, maybe that maybe that hurts a show like that, but I, I, lo- I feel like it's really been discovered in a big way just in the last few months. I can't help but wondering if female, quote-unquote, shows are at a disadvantage. How diverse is the Academy, the TV Academy, in terms of men and women? Men and women, that's a good question. I, I don't know, uh, but that is a very good Because question. at the Academy, it's very male. Except for the actors, yeah. I would, I would think and hope, but this is just me guessing, is that TV is a little more balanced. Um, you know, just because in the industry there, there's you know a lot, lot of uh, you know female representation uh, in in the production ranks and, and executive ranks. So, but that's just a stab in the dark. Well, a couple um, people are putting Jessica Jones on. I would not think that was. A likelihood. Right. I mean, there's a lot of sort of... Uh, or know, Horace and Pete. Hmm. Right. I mean, Horace and Pete's interesting since that's, you know, that, that's completely self-financed you know, by Louis C.K. Um, I actually saw the other day, though, that uh, he took out some ads in the trades. <laughs> so he must be spending a little bit of money. I thought he was bankrupt. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> bankrupt, quote, unquote. Uh, but I did see uh, an ad on one of the websites the other day. So either he's spending some money or he's got friends in high places. Maybe his pals at FX are throwing him a couple bones. Please do another season of Louie. In exchange, we will help market your Horace and Pete campaign. I'd be kind of curious about that. And then there's The Leftovers and The Good Wife. Yeah, I mean, Leftovers, again, I love The Leftovers. It doesn't have a chance. But um, Good Wife, it does have a chance. Final season. Uh, so, and, and, you know, that is um, one of the mainstream shows that's, you know, big and broad enough that I think a lot of the, especially older uh, Emmy voters, uh, love that show, love, love Julianne Margulies, and I would not be shocked if I saw Good Wife as one of the seven. I, I, I would not say that would be a surprise to me. It's got the Obama bump, too. You can't forget that, <laughs> which Hamilton got. So That's true. Definitely. You never know which... Everybody's riding the winner, that's for sure. 
Well, that seems to cover it. Um, I think I think it's going to be. Uh, we'll get into some of the other categories as we move as we move forward. There's plenty to talk about. Absolutely, look alive as it's I continue season, to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot of shows to watch now. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, vote, so voting is going on as we speak. So vote wisely. Vote often. No way, you can't vote often. <laughs> but but vote smart and keep checking back at IndieWire, and we'll we'll help you out. Thank you.